Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. We're in a teaching series uh, on our Sunday mornings called Stories of Your Life. And and I want to begin this morning uh, with a story about the life of a man named Bernard Koffendoffer. Now, I I doubt that many of you know or have any idea who he is, but I'm willing to bet most of you know what he did. Most of you will know what he did. Uh, He was born in 1935 in Craigsville, West Virginia. So shout out to my West Virginia Connection folks. I knew there would be a couple. I knew there'd be a couple, wild and wonderful. Uh, So 1935, Bernard was born in Craigsville, West Virginia. Uh, He served our country in World War II, and and when he returned home from the battlefield, he had earned a college degree, and uh, he made a career in the coal and oil industry, and he made a very good living for himself, and uh, he became a Christian at the age of 42, kind of following maybe a little bit of a scare where he had two bypass uh, heart surgeries, and and in that time, he heard a distinct call of God, and in his own words, he would describe this call as as a glorious and marvelous Holy Spirit-inspired vision, and he says that God called him to build and erect sets of three crosses uh, up and down the highways of the United States. If you've ever traveled Interstate 81, yep, just south of Harrisonburg at Weir's Cave, there in the field sets that set of crosses. And the set there in Weir's Cave was one of the first ones that he erected in Virginia and, and he said, we, we see there that there are three crosses. They're made from telephone poles. Uh, the middle cross painted uh, bright gold so that we would know the story. And he, he said these crosses uh, are stand to remind people that Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross at Calvary for our sins, that there is hope in Jesus and that he is coming again soon. Bernard would give his life saving some $3 million to see these sets of crosses planted up and down the east coast and he even made it to Zambia and the Philippines. But what I want us to notice here is that that he doesn't just plant one cross, he plants three because he's telling a story. He's telling a story that Jesus wasn't on that hill by himself that day. Let's turn, uh, if you have your copy of scripture, to Luke chapter 23 and we'll find our story here today. Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 32, it says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. It says, When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. You see, here in the story on the middle cross, uh, we see the story of Jesus. We're reminded of his death on the cross that grants us forgiveness and new life as we look to him. 
and faith. But we also see the story, two other crosses there telling a story of criminals, perhaps not as well known or often repeated. And as I continue this morning, I would like you to think, why are we looking at this on Easter Sunday? Why is this important? Friends, the story of the two crosses is important for us today. You see, the story for the criminals, it it began like many other stories. Uh, They began at Calvary. They began the day hurling insults at Jesus with the crowd. Uh, But they asked him in that time for, get me out of this mess. Get us down from here. But we see in the story of the criminals on the cross that one of them had a change of heart. And we read that in verse 42 of chapter 23. It says, he, uh, the criminal said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Then Jesus answered him, truly I tell you today you will be with me in paradise. We see a story here that one simple request of this common criminal, literally in the middle of his execution for his crime, he sees his eternal destiny changed in an instant. In an instant. Something about that story makes us wonder, can it be that simple? Can it be that simple that a confession of faith after a lifetime of sin can result in eternal salvation? And friends, the short answer to that question is yes. Yes, it can. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of the person of Jesus in his life, his death and resurrection. The power to overcome a life of sin with the glory of salvation in a simple show of faith. That's the story that Bernard Koffendoffer wanted us to hear as we traveled up and down the highways of life. It's the story we celebrate today at Easter of Christ's resurrection. And it can be your story too can be your story too. I'd like to welcome you to our teaching series, Stories of Your Life. As a church family, we've been uh, seeking to understand the meaning and the impact of the Passion Week uh, through the lens, the perspective, if you will, of some key historical figures in the story. These these were real people who wrestled with real questions and had real doubts and and made real mistakes. They're people just like us. People just like us, but yet they found grace and mercy in Christ. And so this series is is about learning from their lives, learning from their perspectives so that we too can know the forgiveness of Christ, know his life within us, and see our story changed for the glory of God. Our series began last week uh, looking at the story of a notorious embezzler named Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus uh, did not get famous by having a Sunday school rhyme sang after him. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he? He was actually famous before that, but it wasn't for such great reasons. You see, he was a tax collector. Uh, He made a high living, a good living, pilfering his friends and his neighbors for extra money as a tax collector. So it's easy to imagine that that he wasn't uh, uh, so well loved, you might say. Uh, But you see, Zacchaeus' story, uh, it took a turn towards hope when he heard about Jesus. Because he heard that Jesus was welcoming people just like him. And so Zacchaeus, he climbed a sycamore fig tree like we hear in our Sunday school rhymes. He climbed that tree to get a glimpse of this man who was welcoming sinners just like him. And when Jesus saw his act of faith, when he saw his interest, uh, Jesus invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. Just invited himself, what's for dinner? I'm coming. And in that moment, in that story, in that interaction, Zacchaeus, he comes clean about his life. 
He lays it all out before the Lord and he professes faith in Jesus. And in that moment, his story was changed. He was welcomed into God's kingdom. And we see in the story of Zacchaeus that there is no such thing as too far from God because his grace reaches. His grace reaches. And today we're going to unpack and, and dive into the story of the three crosses. The story we see told up and down our highways. Jesus and two criminals all sentenced to death by crucifixion. If you, if you have your copy of scripture, we're going to be in Luke chapter 23. We're going to continue there in that story. And as we dive in, I'm wondering, where do you find yourself today? Which cross do you find yourself with today? As we dive into his word, let's pray. Father in heaven, as we come before you today, uh, we, we're seeking you. We want to know your story, God. And so as we dive into your word, will you speak to us? Help us to see your truth, Lord, to listen to your voice, to hear your invitation today. Lord, we love you, and we know it's because you first loved us, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So uh, uh, just a, a little bit of run-up, a little bit of context to where we're going to dive into the story this morning. Uh, as we would enter our text, Jesus has been interrogated by the Roman officials. Uh, even though they really didn't find him guilty of anything, they suspected that this was all a hoax, but yet they condemned him to die anyway in some weird way to try to keep the peace. And so we see uh, Jesus has been beaten, he's been whipped, he's been crowned with thorns, and we begin to understand that the, the Roman authorities, the Roman Empire was masterful at death. Perhaps the cross was their most finely tuned instrument in that death. You see, crucifixion was a slow and an agonizing, humiliating form of execution. It was designed to prolong the suffering. It was designed to teach passersby and onlookers the real hard lesson not to cross the Roman Empire. And that's what's happening as we dive into the story today. That's what's happening to Jesus and these two criminals. And we'll begin in verse 32. It says, two other men, both criminals were, were led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And we begin to see that in the original readers of Luke's gospel, they, they were familiar enough with crucifixion that those three words said enough. They crucified him. That painted enough of a portrait for them to know that they, because they knew the sights they knew the sounds, the horror of that scene. And so Luke simply needs to say they crucified him. And they know that arms stretched out, feet and arms nailed, left there to die a slow and shameful death. Three men in the story. The one in the middle, innocent of any crime, the sinless son of God, and one to his left and to his right, criminals condemned. Let's continue in our text in verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood by watching, and even the rulers sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, if he's the chosen one. The soldiers they, they also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar, and they said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above his head which read, This is the king of the Jews. 
And in these short couple of verses, we see a, a portrait of just how hard and how callous the human heart can become. We see, uh, just imagine it if you will, that, that there are three men suffering uh, immensely, shamefully. Uh, their executioners are at the, the, around the foot of the cross and they're playing games for their clothing. They're literally playing games to see who will get the spoils of the day. The notice placed above Jesus' head to warn all the passers-by of what would happen. says, the king of the Jews... The passers-by, they come by, they mock him, they say, you could help so many others, you could do so many things, but you can't help yourself in this moment. We see them taunting and jeering him on. And Jesus, what is his response to all this? In Luke, the first words that he records from the cross is, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. I mean, forgive them. I just can't imagine that that was a common saying from the cross. And what about the criminals? You know, they're there. They can hear and see all this going on. What was their response? We find that recorded in verse 39. Let's continue there. It says one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. They just joined in, right? Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And literally, this criminal is moments, inches away from his own death, and he joins in the jeering and the taunting of the crowd. Aren't you the Messiah? Can't you do all these powerful things? And why don't you get us out of this mess we're in? How about it, Jesus? He's taunting him. Let's continue in verse 40. But, but the other criminal, the other criminal rebuked him, says, don't you fear God? Don't you fear God since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You see, in this other criminal, there's a difference. There's a difference. You see, he can recognize Jesus' innocence. He can somehow recognize his kingship and his authority that he is the chosen one. And he makes of Jesus, recognizing who he is and his authority and his power, he makes a humble request. Remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Let's not miss what Jesus says next. He says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Has anyone, has anyone in all of history ever done so little and received so much as this man? You see, this second criminal, we don't even know his name. Scripture records him as the other criminal. That's all we got. We We don't know what he did. We don't know what his whole story was, but we know that he had been convicted, he had been found guilty, he was deserving of the punishment. But when he encountered Jesus, he had a change of heart. He had a change of heart. He simply asked him, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Can it be that simple? 
Can it be that simple? Can one confession of faith and belief in Jesus as Messiah, as the King, overturn a life full of sin and brokenness? Friends, yes. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. You see, Jesus, he looks at him and says, truly, write this down. You can take it to the bank. You can count on it. Be sure today you will be with me in paradise. That's the power of Jesus. That's the power of what was accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection. That yes, a proclamation of faith in him can overturn a lifetime of sin and brokenness. You might be thinking, I guess this is the oddest Easter message I've ever heard. We're talking about the, the criminals on the cross, but friends, that's the point That's the point. It's the most important Sunday of the year. And we want you to know that the resurrection marks such a victory. It was so powerful that in a moment of confession, it changed this man's life forever and it can change yours. That's the point. That's why we do this on Easter. It's because it's a powerful, true story that you were invited into to make it your very own. Can it be that simple? Yes. Yes. You see, the story of Easter, well, it, it, it cuts across our natural grain. It cuts across our idea that I need to be good enough. I've got to stop using those bad words. I've got to do this. I've got to get that in order, and then I might be good enough for him to accept me. See, we feel like we've got to earn it. But the story of Jesus, the story of the criminal on the cross says, no, it's him. It's only by placing our faith in him. That's the story, friends. It's about what he did. It's about his victory and his resurrection, and he's inviting us in. He's inviting us in. You see, when that criminal, when he said, Father, remember me, his life was done. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't do anything for Jesus. He, he couldn't give to the offering. He, he couldn't join the Bible study. He couldn't even go to church. But that tells us, that tells us that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Placing our faith in him and his victory. Uh, there's a sermon uh, uh, that by Pastor Alistair Brigg, and, and he's talking about this idea uh, that what saved this criminal is what saves you and me. It's this idea that it's only Jesus, and, and he's preaching this sermon, and he's imagining, uh, he's imagining when this criminal approaches the gates of heaven. And it's just so good. While it is funny, like it's, it's the truth. It's the truth, and so I want to share this with you. And so uh, we're, we've got just a short clip. We're going to jump in mid-message, uh, but he is imagining what that conversation may have been like when that criminal approached the gates of glory that day. Think about the thief on the cross. And what an immense, I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You'd never got baptized. You, never, you didn't know a thing about church membership. And yet, and yet you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said, you know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, 
What do you mean you don't know? Well, because I, I don't know. Well, you know, we, uh, uh, did you? <laughs> excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor ranger. So we have just a few questions for you. First of all, are you are you are you are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, "I've never heard of it in my life." And and what about? Let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually, in frustration, he says, "On on what basis are you here?" And he said, "The man on the middle cross said, I can come." The man on the middle cross said I could come. That's the only answer. That's the only answer. And so if we're looking and our our answer to that question starts with because I, because I did or because I've tried, we're missing it. The focus is because he, it's because Jesus, it's because he has transformed my life and my faith is in him. That's the only answer, friends. That's why we celebrate, and this is good news today, because it's Him. He has the power to transform your life through a confession of faith, giving you new life, and His Spirit bears witness with you. And friends, your life will never be the same. Never be the same. I love what Philip Yancey says, uh, but first, the Apostle Paul. (laughs) He said, the Apostle Paul writing about this idea, he says, For it is by grace that you have been saved. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's the gift. And it's not by works so that no one can boast. We can only boast in him, the man in the middle cross. Philip Yancey, he says, in one of his last acts before death, Jesus forgave a thief, a criminal dangling on a cross, knowing full well that the thief had converted out of plain fear. That thief would never study the Bible. He would never attend synagogue or church, never make amends with those he had wronged. He simply said, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus promised today, today you will be with me in paradise. It's another shocking reminder that grace does not depend on what we have done for God, but rather what God has done for us. If you ask people what they must do to get to heaven, most will reply, be good. But Jesus contradicts that story and that answer. All we must do is cry out for help. And God welcomes him home. God welcomes all those who will have him. He says, welcome home, son. Welcome home, my daughter. That's the good news. You see, the the story of Easter is not just one of antiquity that comes around and and so we come to church. It is that, but it is also the story at which we draw our very breath in today. This is our story. We live under its reality today. So I want to ask you, where are you in this story? Where is your place in this story? The reality of the resurrection, where are you in this story? Let's consider the story. Let's consider the story of the two criminals for just a moment. Uh, There's no doubt that they had some things in common, right? Uh, They were both found guilty. 
uh, they had both been convicted of a crime. They felt the, the Romans felt that they were deserving of death. They were both suffering in this moment. They, they can somehow they can both see Jesus. They can hear his words. They both, they both even wanted to be saved in their own way. And friends, the truth is today we have a lot in common with these two men, with these two criminals. We have a lot in common because <laughs> is it okay to say that we can make a mess of our lives? That we've likely, in all honesty, we, we've earned what they were receiving. Now, now sure, our, our record down at the courthouse might be clear, but we would be honest to say that our hearts are not. Because, you see, our, our hearts are ravaged by sin because we harbor hatred, we harbor lust, where we tell little white lies and great big ones too. We're bent towards ourselves. We always want to serve what our desires are, even if it's at the expense of another. We know these things are true in our own hearts. And friends, that's the bent of sin. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And it, sin cannot lead you anywhere else but death. And sin always brings its cousins guilt, shame, fear, hopelessness. It's all it's got to offer us, but yet that's where we are. That's where we find ourselves. Death in our relationships. Hopeless. But you see, for everything we have in common, we do have a different story between these two men. You, you see, here's one. Uh, the man that felt no remorse. He feels like he's in a mess. I mean, he's literally nailed there. His best efforts at life had ended up condemned and he was dying. But yet he cries out to Jesus and says, Look, can't you do something about this mess that we're in? I thought you were God. I thought you were good. Do something. You see, his heart is pushing back against the Lord. And friend, maybe that's you today. Maybe you recognize that place that you're in. Your best efforts have not led you where you thought they would. And you just feel angry at God. God, I thought you loved me. I thought you were powerful. Why don't you do something? Maybe you know what that's like today. Maybe that's what you're like today. A posture of hostility towards God. An unwillingness to see him for who he is. Let's consider the other criminal. That's all we know his name is. But we know his story was different. You see, somehow in that moment, he recognized Jesus for who he really was. He recognized him as God and he feared him. He feared the reality of the truth. And he came to an end of himself. He realized that, look, my best efforts have not gone so great. Lord, I need rescue. I believe that you are who you say you are, that you have the power. Will you remember me? You see, there's repentance there. There's humility there. There's seeking there in this man's response. And when he looks over and simply says, Jesus, remember me. 
He's acknowledging who he is. And Jesus says, welcome home, son. Welcome home. So so how are you dealing with, with the mess, the challenges, the heartache in your life? How are you dealing with it? How do you deal with your past? How do you deal with all those things that haunt you when your mind stops? How do you deal with it? Do you respond in anger and frustration? I don't want to be told what to do. I'll just deal with this. We shake our fist at God like this man. Or will you respond in humility today? see here's the powerful truth here's the powerful truth is that everything you need for salvation is found in the man on the middle cross Jesus Christ has borne our sin and suffering and has been justified has been proclaimed righteous in the resurrection The love, the grace, the forgiveness, the hope that we so desperately long for is found in Him, in the person of Jesus. What will your response be? As you travel 81, or if you're traveling the hills of West Virginia, and you pass Bernard's crosses, placed beside the road there to tell the story, where will you find yourself in that story? Will you be the one lashing out? I thought you were good. I thought you were God. Get me out of this mess. Or will you be found at the end of yourself realizing that it's only in Him that we can find hope? I would invite you to stand with me today and bow your heads. Assume the heart posture of prayer that feels right for you. Because you see, we just want to make a moment to cry out to God. Because we're all in this story. We all have an answer to the challenges, the sin of life. We can either shake our fist at God or we can come in humility. At the end of ourselves, we can find healing in Him. Where will you be in the story today? Lashing out? Or reaching out. It's okay to say to God, I can't figure all this out. I've made mistakes. That's humility, friends. That's repentance. I've made two mistakes to count and I want to do it differently, God. Will you give me your new life? I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. But Lord, remember me. Remember me. Friends, your story can be different today. Because of the grace and mercy of God, you too can call out to Jesus, remember me. And if that's your heart cry today, I just ask that all you need to do is you you cry out to him, say, Lord Jesus, remember me. Remember me, Lord. I need you. I need your life. I need your healing. I need your forgiveness. Lord, I need you. Welcome you home. Welcome you home, daughter. Welcome you home, son. 
It's in him we have new life. Lord, today we thank you for the story of the cross, Lord. We thank you for the reminder that sits just south of town in Weir's Cave on 81, Lord. We are reminded, Lord, that we all have a part in the story. We all have a response, Lord Jesus. And truth be told, Lord, we've all made a mess of things. Sin has gripped us, brokenness has shattered us, separated our relationships, God. But you offer us hope. That's the story of the cross. That's the story of the resurrection today, God. And so we cry out to you, Lord, remember me. I need you. I need you. Lord, I need your spirit to come to help me live a new life. And Lord, we believe that you are faithful to do that. That today when we, when we head out of here, that we'll be different. That tomorrow at work, we'll sense that the life of Christ Jesus is alive within us, Lord. Tune us to know your voice as we cry out to you, Lord, remember me. It's in your name that we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at C-O-T naz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.